Good morning. So this morning we're going to continue on the psalm series that Harley started last week with Psalm 1. And today I'm going to speak on Psalm 23. So I'm just going to start with reading the psalm. So if you open your Bibles to Psalm 23, I'm just going to read through that just now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, of course, Psalm 23 is a really well-known psalm. It's something that... We, many of us will have in our top 10 Bible passages. Many of us will know it off by heart. It's read out at funerals. You find it on tea towels. You find it on pictures, picture frames. It's one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. And there's a danger with these well-known passages that we know them so well and we know them off by heart often that we'll read them and just think that we understand fully what's behind them and almost gloss over them. So it's sometimes useful to take these familiar passages and dig deeper into what they mean and just look at them with a fresh mind. Have you ever driven along a road? You maybe do the same journey every day to work or to school and you think you know that journey. You think you know every single part of it. And then suddenly one day you notice something new. You notice a new tree or you notice a, a new house or a new building. And the next time you drive that route, you look at that building and that house again and you see how beautiful it is or you see something new about it. That's what it can be like when we read a passage again and look at it in, in, in more depth, one that we are uh, aware of and one that we've known all our lives and find something new and exciting about it. And that's sometimes what happens when we read the Bible, which is a great thing about the Bible. Alexander McLaren, who was a Scottish Baptist in the late 1800s, he said this about Psalm 23. The experiences which it details are common. The emotions it expresses are simple and familiar. The tears that have been dried, the fears that have been dissipated by this old song the love and thankfulness which have found in them their best expression prove the worth of its simple words. It's a much loved psalm. And just to set the scene of this psalm, it was written by David. Of course, the words were inspired by God. And it was written, supposedly people think it's when David was on his throne. So at that stage, he had been through many trials. He had faced death in many occasions. He'd been just on the cups of death and, and God's hand had taken him and pulled him away from being so close to death many times. So he's, he's writing this in reflection of the trials that God has pulled him through. And David, of course, was a shepherd. He was the younger son of the family. And often it's the younger son who was the shepherd in the family. And he was a shepherd of sheep. And then later he became a shepherd of God's people. And here in this psalm, he is speaking of God 
as his shepherd. And this is a very personal psalm. David wrote it with the words like me and I and you. He's writing this as a personal relationship between him and God. And the psalm is a demonstration of some of God's attributes. In verse two, it demonstrates how God likes to give us rest. In verse three, it demonstrates like how God likes to give us restoration. In verse four, it demonstrates how God protects us. In verse five, it demonstrates God's provision. And in verse six, it talks about the eternal home that God has waiting for us. Verses one to four are describing God in the role of what David's describing as a shepherd. And verses five to six are describing God in a role of a heavenly host. So let's talk a bit about shepherds. We don't really use the term commonly anymore. And there's a difference between people who care for sheep today and people who care for sheep in ancient nomadic times. In the ancient times, the shepherd was the lowest of the low. As I said previously, it's often the younger member of the family who was the shepherd. And it was a lonely job, a smelly job, a dirty job and a dangerous job. But it's a very, very important job because the shepherd's job was to protect the family's sheep and to provide for the family's sheep and to make sure that the sheep are fed and they have comfort. And that was only possible because of the shepherd. And today we don't have that necessity. In those days, they had to travel constantly to new grazings because the grazings were poor quality. I say in those days, it's, it's still happening in the Middle East today. But in the biblical times, they were moving from grazing to grazing, water to water, avoiding dangers, protecting sheep, guiding and leading them towards the pastures. And as that pasture was fed and eaten and used up, they had to move them to a new pasture. So it's a constant moving and they weren't living within fields like they do now. Today, we have our sheep in fields uh, with fences around them, which protects the sheep, which keeps the sheep together. We live in Scotland. We have lush green grass. We have plenty of rain and sun and we fertilize our grass and we have water troughs. So all their needs are provided. And also we don't have many predators against sheep in Scotland. Whereas in these times, David would have had to protect his sheep from these dangers and provide all their needs. Without the shepherd, the sheep would have unfortunately no longer been in existence. So David talks about the Lord is his shepherd. I shall not want. Now, you could think that he's saying he's got everything he needs, everything he wants. There's a difference between needs and wants. Some of us might want an iPhone 13 Pro, the latest iPhone, uh, the latest smartphone out. Some of us might want a faster car. Some of us might want a bigger house or a better job. But those are our personal need wants and it's the needs that God is providing our spiritual needs our rested souls our spiritual provisions and this is what uh, David is speaking about here I shall not want God provides him with all his needs so he doesn't need anything else other than what God has already given him and then verse 2 talks about sheep in green pastures now I know a thing or two about sheep I have some sheep and I take great joy in seeing my sheep lying down in lush green grass, because when they lie down, all their needs are supplied. 
They've been eating all day. Sheep have to continuously eat because of the way their digestive system works and because grass's nutrition is, is tight, tight within the grass. The cell walls stop us getting the, the sheep getting access to the nutrition. They have to continuously eat to supply all their needs just for existence. But occasionally their rumens are full of grass and they lie down and rest. And you'll see them chewing because they're chewing their cuds. They're regurgitating the grass and re-eating it to try and break down those cell walls to get the energy and the nutrients out of it. But they can only lie down and rest when their rooms are full, when they're not thirsty, when they feel safe. That's the important thing. No fear of predators, no fear of anything, any dangers. So this picture that David has given us of lying in green pastures is a picture of satisfaction, of rest, of no fear, of protection. And it's interesting here, and I've never noticed this before, but David says here that he makes me lie in green pastures. He's not saying he invites me to, or he leads me to, or he asks me to. He makes me. It's, a, it's an instruction. He's instructing us to lie in green pastures. And this ties in with a day of rest, a time of rest. God rested on the seventh day. And it's important that we have times of rest, of spiritual rest, times to rest and spend time in his word, time away from the craziness of life, focusing on him and his protection and the satisfaction and the provision that he gives us. And then he talks about him leading us to still waters. And notice he leads us, he takes us. We follow him and he leads us just as the shepherd would lead his sheep and they would follow him and he would bring them together in a flock towards green pastures and still waters. And still waters is almost an Old Testament version of the New Testament term, peace which surpasses understanding. Again, this is a, a diagram of rest, of quiet, of safety. The waters are still. There's no danger. The sheep are able to approach it and take the provision that their shepherd has given them. So they have eaten in green pastures. They've rested. They're in places of safety and they've had their water. That's, that's what sheep need to exist. That's all they need. And then verse three, it talks about how he restores my soul. And when we look at the word, the Hebrew word behind the word restore, it's actually the equivalent of a word repentance. And this is a reminder that this psalm is pointing towards Jesus. And we'll talk about Jesus being a shepherd later. But he repents. He allows us to repent of our sins and have our soul restored. And that's what David is talking about here that the Lord allows his soul to be restored. And David is a shepherd, as we said previously, he was being a shepherd. He was a shepherd of his sheep and he's a shepherd of God's people in Israel. And we also know that Jesus tells us that he is a shepherd. And in John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And, it, and later on in 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is telling us here that we are his sheep and he is our shepherd. So all these things that David's telling us about what God's doing for him, Jesus does these for us. 
He restores our soul. He satisfies us. He gives us rest. He gives us repentance. He fulfills our spiritual needs. He gives us provision. And he laid down his life for us so that our sins can be forgiven. And it says that he knows us. He knows my own and my own know me. So we should know him and he knows us. He knows our faces. He knows our names. He knows every hair on our head. Now, I've got nine sheep, but I know every single one of them. And you might look at a flock of sheep and think they all look the same. But actually, when you've got small numbers of sheep, you get to know their individual personalities and they have different faces. And we can see from a distance which sheep is which. And my daughter is particularly good at this. And she can step out of the house, call to the sheep and the sheep all call to her. And she can tell us from the bars which sheep is which bar. She knows each of the bars individually and she knows their traits and their personalities and what they like and what they don't like. And Jesus knows this in abundance and in infinity. He knows each of our needs. He knows each of our personalities. He knows what we like and what we don't like. And he knows what to do to save us and give us salvation and bring us into a good place with God. And Jesus was in a way also a sheep. He was a shepherd and a sheep. He was a sheep to God in the fact that he was obedient to God. And he went on that cross and he suffered he suffered for our sins. And that was an instruction that God led him to do. So he was God's sheep and he is our shepherd. And Jesus also wants to give us rest and restoration. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So if we continue looking at verse three, it also says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. So from this, we can understand that God goes before us. Leading us means he's stepping ahead of us and he's laying down a path for us of his righteousness for us, God's righteousness. But this is made true through Jesus. There's no righteousness without Jesus because we can't live up to God's standards on our own. But this path is led before us. And as I said, it's through Jesus and his salvation that this part of verse three becomes true in our lives. And then the shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And if we look at this trans, the Hebrew translation, the Hebrew word that's behind this translation, it could be translated as the darkest valley. Now, we, when we think about shepherd leading a sheep from pasture to pasture to pasture, there will be times when he will have to cross areas of danger. There may be dangerous animals. There may be bandits. It may be that there's a valley and a dangerous river that they have to cross, but he has to get past these dangerous areas to get to the places of safety. And as the shepherd is leading his sheep through these areas, he has a rod and a staff. Now, a staff is another word for a shepherd's crook. And you might have seen shepherd's crook. I actually have a shepherd's crook. And a shepherd's crook has a hook on the end of it and it can be caught, used as an extension of your arm for bringing the sheep back into the flock. For me, I, I might use it for leading them through gates or bringing them into the shed or whatever. But it's for taking stray sheep and bringing them back into the flock. And the, the hook bit is for, for getting hold of their leg so that the, the, the shepherd can get them from a distance to bring them back to where they should be. So that's what the staff is. And the shepherd's rod, it's almost like a big truncheon. And that was to protect the sheep from dangers. So let's say a lion or a wolf was approaching the flock. 
The shepherd would approach the lion or wolf with his rod, ready in defence to scare the lion or the wolf away from the sheep in protection. But it's important for us to see in this psalm that in our darkest valleys, God is with us with his rod and his staff and he's offering us protection and comfort. Now, it's just as important that God leads us through valleys as he does our green pastures. It's difficult to understand when we're going through these valleys why he leads us through these valleys. So let's ask ourselves why this happens. Well, there's a great quote from John Calvin. And this is what he said. He said, there is nothing into which we more easily fall than into forgetfulness of him, especially when we enjoy peace and comfort. And what John Calvin was saying here is it's, it's easy to take God for granted when we are not dependent on him. We're more prone to becoming wandering sheep and walking away from him when we take him for granted. Now, what can increase our awareness of him and our need for him most? And sometimes that can be our darkest valleys. I have a good friend and he suffers from a medical condition and it can put him out of action for periods of time. He can't go to work. He can't go to church. And sometimes it's days, sometimes it's weeks. But there was one occasion where he was really unwell for many months and he was in hospital. He wasn't at work. We didn't see him at church and he become lost a lot of weight and become really poorly. And when I asked him at the end of that, Harry was, Harry found it, Harry pulled through that. He said, Charlie, that was one of the best times of my life in terms of my walk with God. I had time to read the Bible. I had time to pray. I had time to hear him and listen to him. And he spoke to me and I got to know him better than ever before. And I'm grateful and thankful for God for taking me through that dark valley because it's through there that I saw his face and I came closer to him and more aware of him and I got to know him better than ever before. So as we remember darkest valleys we've been through, or maybe some of you are struggling and going through dark valleys just now. Just look at verse four. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. So God is with us no matter what. He's protecting us no matter what. And he is leading us no matter what we're going through. He's always by our sides, walking through the valleys with us. And this is interesting. This is the valley of the shadow of death. And a shadow is only possible when there is a light walking alongside the object. That's something to remember. And I'm looking at verse five. We're there hearing about how God has prepared a table and a place for us. In his kingdom. This is where Daniel starts to talk about God as a heavenly host. Jesus told us about this in Matthew 8, verse 11. He said this I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And then later in John 14, verse 2 to 3, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And Jesus is preparing a place and a room for us and he will anoint us and he will supply us with an overflowing cup. And a cup can only overflow when it is full. It reminds me of John 7, 37 to 38. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone first, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow, flow rivers of living water. So he's waiting for us in his eternal kingdom, for us where there is no sin, no valleys, and he has prepared a place for each of us in his house. And this is a promise that for whatever difficulties we face in life here on earth, they will all be gone and never be returned when our shepherd meets with us in his kingdom. Martin said to us a few weeks ago to remember this, that this is not our forever home. Our, our father waits for us in our eternal heavenly home. And then we come to verse six and David is confident here. He says, surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, that doesn't mean he's not saying here there will be no valleys. But it does mean that he is our shepherd and we are his sheep and he will be with us through the green pastures and through the valleys. And we are encouraged to draw near to our shepherd who leads us and follow him and to fear not. We are also encouraged in anticipation to look towards our heavenly home and look to the day when we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if we can learn to have David's confident assurance, the journey through the valleys will be easier with our shepherd by our side. So draw near to him through green pastures, but also draw near to him through your valleys. Remember, the valleys are not our homes. Our homes await us, and within it, our shepherd awaits with open arms. So just to finish, I just want to ask this question. Ask yourself, can I say the Lord is my shepherd? Or in other words, how, how do I know that the Lord is my shepherd? Let's read John 10, 22 to 28. It says here, at the, fe at the time the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So if the Lord is our shepherd, we are his sheep. And Jesus tells us that his sheep are those who hear his voice and believe him. And his sheep are those who follow him. 
And if we believe in him and we follow him, he tells us in John 10 that he will give us eternal life and that we will never perish and that no one will snatch us out of his hand. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for reminding us this morning that you are our shepherd. Thank you for reminding us that there's nothing that we need with you as our shepherd, Lord. Thank you for following us through green pastures. Thank you for following us through the darkest valleys, Lord, for providing for us, for giving us rest and protection and for never, never forsaking us. And Jesus, thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for the eternal life you've given us. Thank you that there's a place for us in your eternal home. In Jesus' name, amen.